2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 8. Let's just jump right into it, okay? And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem where was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be, when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. I want to stop reading right there, but leave your Bible open as we look at a couple things uh, surrounding uh, our passage here tonight. And as we continue in our studies of the life of Elisha, what we find is we find the prophet, the man of God, Elisha. He is busy on his journeys. He is busy in the ministry. He is about the Father's business. Not sure exactly where he has been. I'm not sure exactly where he is going when our text opens up in verse number 8. But we know that he is busy working for the Lord. He's doing something for God. And this passage here that we have before us, the first three verses that we've read, like I said, they're, a, they're a, just the beginning of a longer narrative that stretches all the way to verse number 37. And it describes for us the encounters that Elisha had with this woman, the Bible calls her a great woman, uh, here in Shunem. And what's amazing here is that the story from chapter, or from, I'm sorry, from verse 8 all the way to the end of verse number 37, these verses actually encompass several years. There are several years that are passing by during the ver- verses. In fact, more than several, probably, uh, I don't know, I'm just guessing here, and it's an educated guess, and, uh, but I would say it's probably somewhere between 10 and 15 years pass uh, from verse 8 to the end of verse number 7. So there's 10 to 15 years being described here. But what's amazing is this, is that though there's 10 to 15 years or so from verse 8 to verse number 37, the events that are described in these verses only describe things that happened during three days. So we have three days that are taking place from verse 8 to verse 37, but there are three days that are spaced out over the course of possibly uh, as many as 15 years or so. Uh, and, and, and they're divided. You can see it clearly. There's three divisions in this story from verse 8 to verse 37. And the divisions are clear because they all begin with this little phrase that you'll find at the beginning of verse number 8. It says, and it fell on a day. You see that in verse 8? It fell on a day. It's again in verse number 11 letting us know that this is another day that's being described. Verse 11, and it fell on a day. Verse 18, you'll find that verse again, you'll find that phrase again. It fell on a day. And so there are three days that are being described here, even though the, the, the span is about 10 to 15 years. Every passage, every division describes what happened on that day. Day, 
There's a day that Elisha passed through Shunem and this relationship was started with this woman. She begged him and constrained him. That's a strong word. Constrained means more than ask. Constrained means you get over here and eat this bread or I'm going to make you get over here and eat this bread. That's what constrained means. I'm going to make you do it. She made him do that. How many of you know that some people are so hospitable? Some some of y'all can think of somebody that is so hospitable they're almost rude about it, ain't they? (laughs) They're so nice, so sweet, so loving, and so caring. They almost get downright mean about it, don't they? I don't know if that's how this woman was, but I could see her like that just a little bit. Constrain him to eat this bread. So he did. And he kept coming by. Must have been good bread. If it wasn't good bread, I think he would have found a different route, don't you? (laughs) Must have tasted all right. And then she says, you know what? He comes by so much and we feed him. I think this is a man of God. You know what we ought to do? We ought to make him a little place to stay where he doesn't have to sleep outside or rent a room or something like that. And they did. She talked to her husband and they made him a little chamber. That's where we get the phrase prophet's chamber from. Prophet's chamber. It was for... The prophet for the man of God. Brother Sammy always hated that term, prophet's chamber. He, always, he, didn't, he didn't like that. He said, there are no prophets today. We don't have many prophets. He said, it's a, it's a preacher's room. <laughs> That's what he called it. Don't call it a prophet's chamber around Brother Sammy. He didn't like that. Uh, I don't know why I thought about that. I was thinking. Made a little prophet's chamber. It didn't have much in it. It wasn't, it wasn't, the, uh, you know, it wasn't the Ritz-Carlton or anything. It looks like it's just a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. Just everything that he would need just for a night as he passed through on his journeys. Probably, probably checking on and, and dealing with these schools of the prophets in different places. And so these are three days that are encompassed in the story. That's the first day. That's the first day. The second day begins in verse number 11 and it describes for us a time where Elisha was thinking about how good this woman had been to her and all the things that he had that she had done for him, how good this woman had been to him and all the things that she had done for him. And he wanted to do something for her. And so he does. This woman is very content with her life, but at the same time, Gehazi, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, says, you know, she doesn't have a son. She doesn't have any children. Maybe she needs a child. And God gives her a child. What a day of rejoicing that was. But then there's a third day that's mentioned, and that begins in verse number 18, and it's a long story. We're going to get into it in the days to come, but the child that was given to her, he's now grown. That's why I say it's probably probably 10 to 15 years go by. Uh, Verse number 19, he's called a lad. Well, uh, a child, but he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. And so... There is uh, indications that uh, maybe he's, I don't know, 9, 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, able to be carried. The child dies. And then we know at the end of this story is a glorious resurrection. What a day that was. What a day that was. There's three days in this story. Three days in this story. And I thought about these days, and I just began to meditate on them just a little bit, just chewing on them for my own personal Uh, help and devotion. And the more I meditated on these days that are mentioned, there's three days, the more I I began to think about how that those three days, these three days in this text really sums up a lot of our life. Really sums up a a lot of the days of our life. How many of you know that there are different seasons to life? There are different days to life. There are good days and there are bad days. 
There are hard days and there are easy days. There are routine days and mundane days and then there are life-changing days and mind-blowing days. There are happy days and sad days. Life is made up of different kinds of days. But really, I think that all the days of our, lives, of our life could really be uh, categorized under these three days. And I just got to thinking about it, how there are three days, really three days in our life that you'll find. And I I want to preach on the first one this morning, but or this evening. But let me give you let me give you what, where I'm going the next couple of weeks. I think I'm going to give a, a a message to each day. I thought about first of all when I look at this first day that's mentioned, I'm going to call it a day of serving, a day of serving. And then when we look at the next day, and God just out of nowhere blesses her and gives her the desire of of her heart, maybe that she had give up on a long time ago. I'm going to call that a day of blessing, days of blessing. How many know there are days of blessing in your life? There are. And I know a lot of times when we look back, a lot of times all we can think about is the bad things. A lot of times when we look around, all we can think about is the, is the negative things and everything that's going wrong. But I'm going to tell you what, there have been some days of your life where God just, just plumb poured out His bucket of blessing on you, gave you what you did not deserve. And blessings just out of nowhere. God just said, here, I'm just going to do something because I want to. Isn't that amazing? Days of blessing. Days of serving. Days of blessing. And then we think about that last day where her son is, uh, uh, is dead, dies in her arms. I would say that those are days of testing. Days where your faith is tested. Days where life does not make sense. Days where everything seems to be falling apart. And I would say that probably about every day of our life, every season of our life, I'm not necessarily speaking of a 24-hour period of time, but every, every season of our life can really be uh, categorized by those three days. There are, lives, there are days in our life where, where it, the responsibility is on us and, and, and we are to emphasize serving. God has given us us an opportunity and God has given us responsibility and God has given us the means to be a blessing to others and that is what we ought to do. We ought to be a blessing in somebody else's life and we ought to, we ought to serve. And then there are days when God says, all right, I appreciate you serving me. You just sit right there and I'm going to pour it out on you. I'm going to be a blessing to you. And I love those days. Don't you wish those days were every day? But a lot of days are days like that third day, isn't it? It's days of testing where our faith is tried and we're confused and things don't make sense and, and we're going through a trial and it seems like everything is fall, falling apart. It doesn't mean that every day of our life is exclusively just one of these things, but, but it does seem like in life there are seasons that, uh, that emphasize one of these three days. And what we need is we need discernment to know what day that we are in so that we know how to act. We need grace to do the will of God in any given situation. We need wisdom to know that seasons come and seasons go and days are not permanent. And we need to pray that God would give us wisdom not to make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. And I, I would like to just look at these days just for a moment. I'm thinking about this first day, uh, this day of serving. And I, I want to examine this first one and maybe glean a few lessons from this day of serving. A time in our life where God has given us the responsibility and the opportunity to be a blessing in somebody else's life. Maybe y'all know it's not just about us and what we can get for us. 
It's about being a blessing to somebody else. It's about serving somebody else. And I, 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 The way my thoughts are just organized tonight, it's just the best I could do. I, I don't know, I, I worked with this all different ways this week, but I'm just going to ask three questions about it. Kind of organize this into questions, and then we'll, we'll go home tonight. But first question I want to ask is this. How do you know? How do you know? How do you know that you are in a day of serving? How do you know that these are days of of service that God has put you in? Days of responsibility, days where you are to be a blessing. In fact, I would say that's probably most of our life. We are given responsibility. We are given an opportunity to serve somebody else and be a blessing in somebody else's life. How did this woman know that this is what she was supposed to do? She was supposed to be a blessing to the man of God. She was supposed to be a blessing to the preacher. She was supposed to be a blessing in the life of Elisha. As far as we know, I don't see anything in the text that would indicate that there were any heavenly revelations that come to this woman. There were no no angelic manifestations or or announcements or declarations to this Shunammite woman that says, Woman of Shunamm, there's a man of God coming your way. I want you to feed him a great meal. I don't see that in the text anywhere. There's no uh, interruption of her life with some kind of angelic declaration of the will of God about what she should do to be a blessing. How did she know that this is what she was supposed to do? How did she know that this is what she was supposed to be doing with her life and her resources? How, how did she know that she was supposed to serve this man and give to this man and help this man? Well, I thought about a couple things. I think she knew that this is what she was supposed to do because there was somebody passing by. That's what it says. Elisha passed to Shunem. There was where was a great woman. He just happened to pass by. The end of verse number eight says, and oft as he passed by. He just happened to be passing by. And there was somebody that kept passing by that looked like they needed a meal. There was somebody in her vicinity that looked like they could use some help. And then she got to looking around at her resources and thought, you know what? I got something I could use to help this man out. He looks hungry. Most preachers don't look hungry. (laughs) But Elisha did. It's probably because he walked everywhere he went. He didn't have a Lincoln. He wasn't driving a Crown Vic. He looks hungry, looks tired. She looks over in the pantry. I got some food. I got a table. There's an opportunity to be a blessing. How did she know that she was supposed to serve this man and help this man and give to this man? Well, he looked like he had a need, and she had something that could meet that man's need. Well, that's simple, isn't it, right there? It's very simple. You know, a lot of times we complicate generosity, don't we? I mean, we're waiting for God to, you know, a finger to come down out of heaven and ride it in the sky. 
We're waiting for some big angelic announcement. We're waiting for some heavenly manifestation or something like that. But can I tell you something? How do you know when it is your time? How do you know when God has put it on you and you are in the day of service? You are in the day of responsibility. You are in the day that you were supposed to help somebody else. God has put you there to be a blessing in somebody else's life. How do you know? How do you know this is from God? I'll tell you, it's very simple. If you know somebody that has a need and you have the resources to fill that need, well, bottom bing bada boom today is your day there it is it's pretty simple isn't it if somebody has a need and you have the resources to help fill that need I'm talking about a legitimate need I'm not talking about somebody trying to bum off everybody and take advantage of people y'all understand what I'm talking about I'm talking about somebody's got a need and you have the resources to fill that need guess what today's your day my friend Today is a day of service. It's not a day of getting. It's a day of giving. It's a day of serving. The day of serving is the day where the provision of God and the providence of God collide. God has provided you the resources and then He's put somebody by His providence. He has put somebody in your path with a need. There you go. That's your day of serving. That's your day. It's your time to shine. You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. When you got it, don't, somebody, don't tell somebody, Hey, I'll help you tomorrow when they have a need today and you got what they need today. I think there's an emphasis in the, in the wisdom of Proverbs 3 that tells us, hey, listen, today is the day of generosity. Today is the day of giving. Today is the day of serving. This is the day. Somebody's got a need, God's provided. And I'll tell you, God's been good to us, hasn't He? He has been good to us. And you know somebody that's got a need? I'm not talking about they need, you know, a third vehicle or, you know, a... This, I'm talking about they have a legitimate need in their life. I tell you, the Bible tells us as Christians, we are to do good to all men, but especially those of the household of faith. The Bible talks about hospitality and generosity amongst believers. And I'm going to tell you something, it must be so uh, amongst us. we we got to get with selfishness and covetousness and stinginess and all that. I'm going to tell you, well, that quenches the Holy Ghost more than anything in the world. It does. It does. If somebody needs it, you got it, today's your day. Today's your day. She didn't let excuses get in the way. She didn't let her limitations get in the way. She didn't let the fact that she couldn't help everybody keep her from helping somebody. And that's what we do, ain't it? Well, I can't do that for everybody. Well, it's okay. You know, I do it for everybody. How about the one God's put in your path? How about the one God's put on your heart? You say, well, I can't feed the whole neighborhood. Well, listen, do for one what you wish you could do for everybody. And if everybody did that, what if everybody did for one person what they wish they could do for everybody? How about that? It's a day of serving. She didn't let excuses get in the way. She didn't say, well, if I feed one, the whole neighborhood's going to show up. She didn't say that. She said, you know what? He's here, I'm here, my food's here, the bread's here, the table's here. I'm going to make them sit down and eat a meal. I'm going to be a blessing to them. It's scary. Hey, it's dangerous feeding a preacher now. You give a preacher a free meal, you have a bunch more show up. 
And we're against free will Baptists, but I am a free meal Baptist. Say amen right there. <laughs> and I think I've told you the story before about the, about the, about the barber, the generous barber. Did I tell you that story? He, uh, he cut the Catholic priest's hair, and, uh, and, and that barber said, listen, no charge. He said, I don't charge clergy. He said, it's free. It's on the house. Well, the next day when the barber went to open up his shop, he had a bottle of wine on the, on the porch step with a thank you note from that Catholic priest. And he ended up cutting a, a rabbi's hair, a Jewish rabbi's hair. And, uh, and the rabbi went to pay. He said, no, it's on the house. He said, I don't charge clergy. And when the next day when he, got to, when he got to the barbershop to open up the door, there was a fresh loaf of bread, of, of, of uh, homemade bread right there on the, on, the, on the doorstep that had a thank you note for the free haircut. He had a Baptist preacher come in there, and he gave the Baptist preacher a haircut, and he went, the Baptist preacher went to pay. And the barber said, no, he said, I don't charge clergy. It's on the house. It's free. Of course, the next day when the barber went to go open up, there was a line of Baptist preachers on the doorstep. Get it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's see, where did that fit in? Oh, yeah, she didn't say, well, if I help him, I'm going to have a million people i got to help. <laughs> She just did it. Just do it. Why do we complicate generosity? Listen, if God has given you something and there's somebody in your path that has a need, today is your day. Be a blessing. Look to be a blessing. Amen. It's not so hard, is it? It's not hard to preach anyway. Is today your day? Is who, who is God putting your path? What is God putting your life that you can share with somebody else? Good questions. All right. So how do you know? How do you know if today is your day? Well, it's when providence meets provision. It is when, it is when what God has given you comes in contact with who God has put in your path that has a need. That's your day of service. It fell on a day and she did what she could. And the second question I think I'd ask is this question. What do you do? What do you do when it's your day of service? What do you do when it's your day, day of serving? Well, I got two answers for that. Number one, do all that you can. Just do all that you can. This woman gave Elisha food. She did that. And then eventually she realized, you know what? I can do more. And she, up, she upped it just a little bit. She said to her husband, you know what? Let's make a little chamber and we can make it this and we can put a, 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 a table and a stool and a candle and, and a bed where he can get some rest and he can do some work and he can do some studying and, 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 and at night with this candle and, and he can stay right here and, and do what he needs to do. Let, let's, let's do more than just provide him one meal and send him on his way. Let's give him a place to stay. You know what that's doing? She's doing all she could. Why didn't she do more than that? Maybe that's all she could do. She did what she could, and then she did as much as she could. You know, when Jesus was anointed with that alabaster box at Bethany, old Judas said, man, what is she doing? Here's what Jesus said. He said she had done what she could. She did what she could. You know, we live in a day where everybody's asking what should I do? What do I have to do? It's not, for most of us, that's, that's about all that can be said. They have done what they should. <laughs> They've done what they should. 
And most Christians, if they can just have that said about them, they're happy. Well, I showed up for church. I did what I should. I gave 10%, or I gave a little something to missions, or I did this, or whatever. I did what I should. I did what I should. But doing what you should and doing what you could, well, them are two different things. Some of you employers in here know that you, you, might, you probably you got employees that probably don't even do what they should. <laughs> but if they do, that's all they do. Isn't that right? They do whatever is expected of them and absolutely no more. But it's a different mindset altogether, isn't it? When it's not, I'm doing what I should, I'm doing what I could. I'm doing everything that I possibly could do for the Lord. She had done what she could. She didn't, have to, she didn't have to break that alabaster box. She didn't have to pour it all out. It would have been fine with just a little bit. It would have been fine with just, 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 just doing a little Or maybe just even bowing at his feet without breaking that box at all. But guess what? That wasn't what she could do. She could do more. There was more that she could do. And I would say that's a great question to ask ourselves. Am I doing all that I can do? Amen. That's a good question. Some people, the answer is yeah. Some people, the answer is no. I'm doing what's expected. I'm doing what I have to do to get by without people saying anything about me. That's not what I'm talking about. Are you doing all that you can do? That's what this woman was doing. And then I would say, when it's your day of serving, not only do all that you can do, but secondly, expect nothing in return. I don't see where this woman asked for anything. In fact, in fact, I, I never really noticed this in the text until I really started kind of digging into it. And I think I'm right. I think I'm right about everything. But I really think I'm right here. In verse number 8, it says that Elisha fell on a day that Elisha passed the Shunem where was a great woman. Now look, and she constrained him to eat bread. That was their first interaction. He passed by. She said, hey boy, get in here and eat you some bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by. So now this thing turned into a routine. It turned into a tradition. It turned to a habit. Now every time that he come by, he turned thither to eat bread. Now he kept coming in and doing it. You see that? She just saw somebody that was hungry. She said, get in here and eat some bread. And then he kept coming by. And as he kept coming, and as he spent time at her table, notice what she says. Verse 9, and she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God. Now I'm going to throw this out here. I believe I'm right. This woman didn't know that Elisha was a prophet. This woman did not know that he was a holy man of God. This woman did not know that he was the great Elisha, successor to the great Elijah with the mantle of God upon his life. It's not all she saw was a dude that was hungry, kept walking by. Said, you know what, I'm gonna be a blessing to him. He didn't, she didn't know that he was the one that parted the waters of Jericho or Jordan. She didn't know that he was the one that healed the waters in Jericho. She didn't know that he was the one who had performed the great miracle for in the water in the wilderness for the nations and kings. He didn't know that, she, that, that he was the one. She didn't know that he was the one who had performed this great miracle for this widow uh, woman in, uh, uh, in, in, the, in the previous passage. Right? She didn't know all those things. All she knew is that, hey, he's a guy in need and I'm going to help him out and ask 
as he began to come. So she began to pick up on some things. Hold on a second. This guy's special. Hold on a second. This guy, there's something different about him. This is a man of God. This is God's man. You know, it would have been easy to understand why if she just saw, oh, Elisha, let's get him in here. Because, of course, we could think that maybe one would think. Now, none of us would do this, but somebody would. None of us in here would do this. But somebody would think, oh, man, if I'm good to him, maybe he'll be good to me. Maybe he'll take out his little, you know, Holy Ghost fairy dust and sprinkle it on something around my house. Maybe I'll get some kind of great blessing on my home for being good to the man of God. I don't see any of that stuff going on to you. She just was good to him. Just because he was somebody with a need, she was somebody with some bread. And I'm going to tell you what, if you serve God because you want to get something back in return, you're going to be severely disappointed a lot. Now listen, don't get me wrong. It pays to serve God. But that kind of mindset of, God, I'm going to do for you, so you'll do for me, and I'm going to do this, so you'll do that. I'm going to tell you what, that mindset always leads to disappointment. It always leads to disappointment. People that expect something in return, they're the ones that eventually get bitter. You know why? Because you can never satisfy those people. You can never be good enough to them. You can never recognize them enough. You can never thank them enough. You can never do enough for them. And they end up getting bitter, quitting. They're the kind of people that serve grudgingly. You know, Peter talked about using hospitality without grudging, without grudges or something like that. I should have looked up the verse, but it's hospitality. Be good to somebody. Be a blessing to somebody. Have hospitality towards somebody, but don't do it with a bad attitude. Like, all right, here's you some bread, you lazy bum. You know, here's your bed. All right, yeah, you can stay at my house, you ungrateful wretch. <laughs> That's not hospitality. Hospitality is, I want, hospitality is I constrain you. I want you to. I am going to be good to you. I am going to help you out. Not because I want you to do anything for me, but just simply because I want to do something for you. Be a blessing. Expect nothing. You know, if you'll serve God and expect nothing, you'll always be thankful for whatever you get. Grace will surprise you. God's grace is always surprising how good God is to you. It's always a blessing. And people that serve with grace and joy, there are those that find, they find their joy, their joy is in the service. It's not in what they get for doing it. It's just simply in doing it. And that's what she did. When do, you, when do you know it's time? When do you know it's your day of service? Well, it's when there's somebody that has a need and God's given you a way to fill it. When, what do you do when it's your day of service? I'll tell you what you do. You, you do all you can. And you don't expect anything in return. And then lastly, when do you stop? When do you know that it's time to stop serving? When do you know that it's time to all right, Elisha, that's enough. That's enough coming by the house. You've come by here. That's good gracious, Elisha. You've been by here. That's your 149th time this year. You know how many nights you've stayed in our prophet's chamber? 
Good gracious, we put that thing up on B&B so we can make some money. You can't just stay here all the time for free. When do you stop? You know, I don't know if we're to think like that. This woman, I don't think she started and then thought about quitting. I think that's what she says at the end of verse number 10. She says, and it shall be when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. Elisha, whenever you come by, we got a place. It's all yours. There's a preacher friend of mine. And he always, he's an older man. and I don't know if he means it or not, but he always says it and he acts like he means it. It makes me feel good anyway. He always says, he says, Brother Chris, he said, as long as I have food to eat, he said, you'll have food to eat. He says, as long as I got a roof over my head, he said, you'll have a roof over your head. Now, I don't know if he means it. I've never had to ask him for a meal or ask him for a place to stay, but I might have to soon see if he, see if he really, really means it. But I think he does. And I think that was her attitude. Just as long as you need it, when do you stop? You know, some people think that they, I'm going to put in my time and then I'm going to be done. You know what? I, man, I've, I've gave to people so long. I've just been giving and serving and sacrificing. I really just need some me time and I need some. I'm going to tell you something. That kind of thinking right there will get you bitter and get you, get you shriveled up on the inside real quick. I'll tell you when you ought to stop. You ought to stop when there's nobody left to serve or you have nothing left to give. But you know what I found out? That God gives to the givers. He helps the servers. He sustains the workers. If you want God to keep pouring into you, you just keep pouring out into other people. God will sustain people through you. You know, and I'm done. Miss Maddie, you can come around on the piano, but God really puts a premium. Jesus put a premium on the servers. You know, this world, that's the, ser- the serving class. That's the bottom class, right? That's how this world thinks. That's not how Jesus thinks. Jesus' economy is like this, isn't it? It's always turned upside down. Jesus said in Luke 22, when there was a strife among the disciples, you remember they were all asking, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Here's what Jesus said. He said, you know, the kings of the Gentiles, they exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. He said, but ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. He that is chief, as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth. Well, of course, we would answer that. Who's the greatest one? Is it the guy that's sitting at the table, or is it the guy that's serving him that's sitting at the table? We would say, well, it's got to be the guy sitting at the table. And that's what we would say. But that's not how Jesus looks at it when he looks at the situation. He says, is not he that sitteth at meat? That's what we would all say. He said, but I, Jesus said, I am among you as he that serveth. Jesus was a servant. Isn't that what he said? Philippians 2, he came. He took upon himself the form of a what? Of a servant. Jesus came, and it was his day of service. It wasn't his day of blessing. That would come later. It was his day of service. Jesus fulfilled his day of service. I want to fulfill my day of service. I thought about Brother Stennett Ballou. He made this quote, and this is a, <laughs> this is a, I, 
I'm going to coin the term if it hasn't been coined already. This is a Baloo-ism. This is Brother Stennett Baloo through and through right here. Something, it sounds like something he would say. He did say it. I've heard him say it. He lived it, but the way he worded it is Brother Stennett Baloo, no doubt about it. Here's what he said. Brother Blue would always say this. He said, I want to do what I can while I can, so when I cannot, I will not wish I would have when I could have. Did y'all get that? I want to do what I can while I can, so when I cannot, I will not wish I would have when I could have. You know what that is? That's a day of service. That's somebody realizing, you know what today is? Today is the day of service. And when God has given you opportunity, God has put somebody in your path that you ought to be a blessing to. You know what that means? I think today is my day. This is my moment. This is my opportunity. And I want to live with no regrets. I want to do what I can while I can. So when I cannot, I will not wish I would have when I could have. Amen. Let's stand together all over the building.